Amen. Each one of our lives has an impact on people around us. You know, when we think about impact, sometimes we think about the people that we see and, and hear uh, through media, something like that. Somebody who's speaking on large scale. But when you think about it, for me anyway, the people who've had impact in my life are not the people that I've uh, watched on the big screen or uh, have spoken to the masses. The people who've had lasting impact on my life are the people that I know personally, the people that I walk with, that I live with. And the reason I share that with you is because what that means is, is that your life matters. You are having impact. You're having impact on people around you in ways that others are not. So here's the question. What do you want to do with that impact? Do you want to have a lasting? Do you want to have a, a positive impact? Or do you want to have an impact that fades away? Do you want to have a negative impact? I mean, who wants to be the person that others are sitting around talking about saying, yeah, I don't know what their deal is. I hope they eventually get it together. You know, I, who wants to be that person? No one, right? So how do we do that? How do we have a lasting impact? How do we have an impact that's actually positive? There's only one way to do it. And that is when the Lord is working through us. All of us want to pretend <laughs> that, that we are following the ways of the Lord if we recognize Him. But one of the things we're going to look at this morning is that we have a tendency to try to act like we are even when we're not. You know, it's one thing for me to stand in here uh, and, you know, we're in this uh, climate-controlled area. We have, you know, water, coffee available, restrooms. I mean, we, you know, everything's quiet right now. The kids are being taken care of, right? And it's so easy for us to sit here and, and talk about how to have a positive impact. But the reality is, is that where impact happens is out there. Out there in the heat, out there when you're going about your day and you're exhausted and you get hangry and things aren't going your way, what are we going to do then? That's when it really comes out. Am I going to trust the Lord or am I going to choose my own way? This morning, we're going to look at a scripture that talks about that very thing. And it shares an account of a person who talked the talk. They, they, they talked about following the Lord. And they spoke to the prophet of the Lord and declared, I'm following the Lord. But the reality is, when life got rough, when all the things started coming at them, they stopped trusting. They stopped trusting and they said, i got to get this together or I'm going to lose everything. And the reality is, because of that, they lost everything. The scripture I'm going to look at this morning is found in 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning in verse 17. And just a, a quick synopsis of what's going on here. We are encountering 
someone by the name of Saul. He was the first king of Israel. And right before this, they didn't have any king. And Saul was a nobody. He was from one of the smaller clans. But the Lord chose him. And he said, I want that guy to lead my people. And so suddenly, uh, God reaches out to Saul, and Saul's raised up, and he's leading his people. And at first, it's really good. He brings some deliverance. But after he brings that initial deliverance, the people that were oppressing God's people, which were the Philistines, they rise up, and it's about to get real. And they're bringing the pressure. They're bringing the horses. They're bringing the chariots. They're going to crush them. But there's Saul. He's gathered all the people, God's people, the Hebrews. He's gathered them together, and God's saying, I'm going to bring you deliverance. But he also said, I want you to wait. I want you to wait a while, and I want you to make sacrifices to me. I want you to honor me, because God's the one who's going to bring the deliverance. Do you understand that? God's the one that's going to bring the deliverance in your life. You can't do it. The only thing that you can do, you have one choice, and one choice only. Will you obey, will you trust, or will you not? That's it. It's not up to you to figure it all out. You can't do it. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how disciplined you think you are. Life is going to throw things at you that you can't imagine. You know, when we're young, we oftentimes, you know, think about our, you know, career path and our life path and how it's going to go. And then you live a little life and you're like, holy cow, that's nuts. Nothing went anything like I thought. My life looks nothing. I'm like the person I used to talk about and mock. And here I am. How did life get like this? Because it's designed. It's designed so that you can't win. Not you. It's designed so that you either trust in the Lord and turn to Him, or you end up in desolation and failure. That's the setup. Why? Because God knows you need Him. And He wants you. So it's set up that way. But King Saul didn't recognize that. He didn't understand that. He had been lifted up by God, and he was excited about that. And there was a part of him that wanted to bring about something good for the people, but he wasn't trusting God. And so suddenly, when he was waiting, as God had told him, the people that were going to help him gain victory, they start running. They start running, they're going, they're hiding in caves, and all of a sudden this army that he's leading starts disappearing. And the man who's supposed to come and make the sacrifices, he hasn't showed. His name's Samuel, and he's the only one that can do it, because God said so. So Saul improvises. All right, we're going to get this done. We're going to honor God, but I'm going to do it. Because if I don't, my army's going to be gone, so I'm going to do this. Well, he does the very thing that God told him not to. Why? Why do we always do what God tells us not to? We stop trusting. That's the bottom line. Or we try to come up with other stuff like, well, I thought this, I thought no. (laughs) It comes down to trusting. Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust my own ways? Saul trusted his own way. And in chapter 15, verse 17... Samuel shows up on scene. Samuel's the prophet of God. Samuel's the one who anointed Saul um, for the Lord, called him to be king. And here's what Samuel says to him. 
He says, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. Now, this is a really odd statement by Samuel because Saul is king and he's just improvised. He's holding things together. He is going to make it happen. And Samuel says to him, why are you thinking little of yourself? What? That doesn't make any sense. Here's why it makes sense. Because what Saul did was he stopped trusting God. Why do we stop trusting God? You ever think about that? Well, it's because he's not trustworthy. Here's what it comes down to. It comes down to whether or not you believe God actually loves you and he's really going to provide for you. Because when that question comes to your heart, I guarantee you the enemy is going to bring things to your mind that didn't go the way that you thought they should go, trials that you've been through, and in those moments you have to question, does God really love me? You know, Kirk's up here preaching about how he loves me and how he's going to provide for me, but what about this? Why didn't this go that way? Well, I don't have the answers for that, but I can tell you that Scripture declares that God works out all things for the good of those who love him. And I can also tell you this. Some of the bad things that are going on, guess what? You've got an enemy. <laughs> God's not the one uh, making everything happen. He's sovereign over it all. But there's an enemy. There's an enemy who's making things happen. There's a world system. There's flesh. There's all these things. But God loves me. And I have to choose, am I going to really trust that God loves me? Because if I genuinely trust I am God's son, God loves me, then I can obey him when everything's unraveling and I don't understand how it's going to come together. I can choose to obey him in those moments. And that's where our faith can grow or it can go the other way. You know, sometimes we get the thought that God needs things from us. I want you to hear this today. There is nothing that God needs from you. Absolutely nothing. One of the ways that God taught me that was through tithing, okay? Giving. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need a dime of your money. He created everything. He owns everything. Why does he even ask for money? Because it's about trust. The only way for you to grow is through trust. And I remember early on, I've shared this many times, but maybe you haven't heard this. I remember early on, my wife and I started a business, and man, it was going to go gangbusters, and we were going to have multiple franchises, and I was just going to be managing it. And I mean, life was going to be good. And all this crazy stuff happened. I mean, crazy stuff, ungodly stuff. I mean, it, it just like, this is nuts. But the bottom line was, next thing I know, we've got this mountain of debt over us. A year ago, we were planning how we were going to spend all our money. The next thing I know, I've got this mountain of debt, and we're like, what do we do? So we end up leaving it. And as many of you know, I enter the ministry because I decide, okay, <laughs> I'm going to follow God's way here. But I remember in those days, Nikki and I were talking about tithing. And here we were, God had called us in to lead, okay, in the church, but we had a mountain of debt. So what are we going to do? 
Are we going to tithe? Is it even right to tithe? We've got this mountain of debt. I mean, this thing's going to follow us the rest of our life. We've got to attack this thing. But God was setting it up. He was setting it up to see, am I going to trust Him or am I going to divide my own ways? Well, we felt like God was saying, trust me. Give the first ten to me and then worry about everything else. So we did it. And many of you know the story. God, out of nowhere, in a way that we couldn't imagine, He didn't like just lower it. He like wiped it out. Took care of it. I mean, it should have, it literally, it should have taken us the rest of our life. God wiped it out. The things that God asks of you are not because He needs anything from you. He doesn't need your time. He doesn't need your money. None of it. It's all about trust. And if you think to yourself that God's going to set up this scenario where everything's pointing to Him and there's nothing pulling you away from Him, it's not going to happen. He's going to put you in a scenario you never imagined and you're going to have to decide, all right, here it is. Am I going to trust Him or am I not? Well, Saul chose not to trust, but what you're going to find is he tried to pretend like he did trust. And that's where we can find ourselves going as well. But with the Lord, it doesn't work. Verse 18 says, And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, Go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Now, we don't have time to get into why God had commanded that, but God had good reason to command this. Verse, verse 19, Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? He was told to completely destroy him, and he was told, don't go for the plunder. God said, don't go for it. They went for it. Well, let's find out what he has to say about it. But I did obey the Lord. Okay, if you're a parent, you ever had this one happen? I mean, you see your kid do something, and you go to them, and they're like, oh, but I did do what you told me to. And then you're like, whoa, where's this going to go? And then they come up with this amazing story. And then God reminds you, where do they get that from? Oh, yeah, I've done that a few times. Maybe the boss came to you, okay? Or maybe somebody else. Maybe you are the boss. Maybe the customer came to you. And you came back with this bunch of baloney spun all around. And the bottom line was you failed and you know it, but you couldn't own up to it. Hear this. God knows. Yeah, and your, your little spin story does no good whatsoever with him. He wants to know, are you going to be real with me? Are you going to trust me? Or are you going to try to pretend? That's what he wants to know. And maybe for others, you'll get away with it for a little bit. But with the Lord, it's not going to happen. Verse 20. But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. And here comes the story. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag. Okay, that's the, 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 the king of the Amalekites. But I destroyed everyone else. So I did most of what you told me to. Yeah, I mean this one guy, but, you know, I had good reasons for that. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder. Oh, here it is, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. The only reason we got those things you told us not to is because we were going to give them to you. It was a present. The thing is, is that we're all capable of this. 
But what is this? It's all smoke and mirrors. When you go back to the root issue, what was the root issue? The root issue, he got scared. Why did he get scared? Because he didn't actually believe that God loved him and God was going to provide for him. He believed he had to step in and take things over. Synthetic leadership. What am I talking about there? Synthetic is imitation. It's not the real thing. And in our walk with the Lord, we're always going to be tempted to pretend like we're following the Lord when we're not. And the consequences are dire. The consequences are not only dire for us, but here's the thing. It was not only dire for Saul, it was dire for the kingdom that he was leading. The people that he was called to have an impact on. Let me go back to you and I. We have impact. Even if you don't have a stage like this, you have impact. You have more impact on the people around you, the people you work with, your your family, your friends. You have more impact on them than anybody they're going to watch on TV, anybody that they're going to read a book by. You know, sometimes we read these books and we're like, oh, this is so awesome. I don't know how many times I've been through that in my life. And you know how long it lasts? Like, Like the really good ones last a year or so. Maybe, you know, they go on a little bit. But, you know, I go back to books that were having a huge impact 20 years ago, and I can barely tell you the name or the author. That's not what has an impact on my life. But when I think about what has an impact on my life, it's the memories. It's the memories of the people that I walked with. The people that that I saw that that genuinely walked with the Lord and those who were religious, okay? Okay. The religious people that pretend, but they're not actually trusting the Lord. They're going through the motions. What does that look like to go through the motions? Well, verse 22 tells us, Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to His voice? You see, you see what he's doing? He's calling him out. Because he was saying, yeah, I didn't obey, but it's because I wanted to give you something good. But once again, God doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't need it. It's all about, will you trust him? That's what it's all about. That's the only reason he's asking for the sacrifices. George was telling us how they kept going, making these sacrifices, but they, they weren't actually doing any good. It was only the sacrifice of Jesus that they couldn't offer. Only Jesus could offer that. So why was God calling them to do it? Because he was wanting to remind them and show them of the necessity of a sacrifice for sin and how dire it was. He never actually needed any of those sacrifices. They didn't do anything for him. It was all about them. All about them. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. You know, sometimes when we mess up, we think, well, I'll just give a little extra, you know. When we mess up with a person, okay, I'll smooth it over. You know, I'll buy them something nice. Now forget about what I did. (laughs) That does not work with God at all. Because what he's after is your trust. That's what he's after. But, but, but we do that. We think we can, you know, uh, well, I know I'm messing up here and here, but, you know, I'm going to go to church an extra day this month. Or, uh, you know, or I, I, whatever. I'm going to put a little extra in the offering plate. He doesn't need any of it. It's all about will you trust him or will you not? 
23 says, Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. Why? What's he getting at? Well, rebellion is, I'm going to go a different way than God tells me to go. What's witchcraft? Witchcraft is, I'm going to find a way to make things happen outside of the power of God. That's what witchcraft is. Stubbornness and worshiping idols? Well, stubbornness is, God, I don't want to do it your way. What's worshiping an idol? An idol is an image we make of God. We say, this is God. So even if you don't have a physical image, whenever you say, well, you know, God's like this. God is uh, completely love, and what I mean by that is there's no hell. Because he could never send someone to hell. Well, that's not what scripture says. That's an idol. When you make a God that, that, that consists of something outside of scripture, you're being stubborn. You're unwilling to, to, to listen and submit, and you are worshiping idols. That's what he's saying. He's saying, Saul, you're telling me you're worshiping God? It's baloney. And the reason I share this is, is to, to, to bring out things in our own heart. Because I know I do these very things. I try to shape God in a way that, that, that's going to uh, help gratify my fleshly desires, whatever they are. You know, Maybe I want money. Maybe I want some power. Maybe I want position. Maybe I want relationships I'm not supposed to have. Whatever it is. And I try to shape God into that. We all do that. The question is, where are you doing it? And why do I ask that? Because God wants you free. And he wants me free. Because he loves you and you can completely trust him. And so, if you share your sin with him, he's not going to condemn you. He's provided a sacrifice for it. But he needs you to confess. He needs you to stop playing like Saul. And he needs you to confess so that he can say, Child, this is what I've been waiting for. I provided the sacrifice Now trust me, love me, and let's walk forward together. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. God had called Saul to be king. But because Saul was unwilling to receive the fact that God loved him, God ended up rejecting him. How does that apply to you? God is calling you to be his child. And if you will receive it, God is calling every one of you to be kings and queens in his kingdom. That's what he's preparing you for. That's what this whole life is about. Do you believe that? If you believe that, you will receive that and you will trust him, which means you will walk in his ways that he gives in his word and you will not try to go your own ways. If you go your own ways as Saul did, and maybe you still say, oh no, I'm still trusting God, but you're going your own ways, what's going to happen? Same thing that happened to Saul. He's going to reject you. Why? Because you rejected him. It's his only choice. You rejected him. God's provided a sacrifice for you. God loves you. (laughs) Will you accept it? That's the question. And acceptance means trusting. It don't just mean that, oh yeah, I recognize he exists and I recognize he did that. No, it means trusting. Are you going to trust him? Because later God was going to find David. And David was not going to be perfect. He was going to make a lot of mistakes. But David was going to continue to trust God even when he made mistakes. And what was the result? An eternal kingdom. Because Jesus was going to come out of his bloodlines. God wants you to be with him and right now he wants to use your life to impact other people 
Who? The people that are around you. And he's able to do that when you trust him. Are you going to trust him? It's a decision we have to make over and over and over. As I was getting ready to, this morning, getting ready and, you know, preparing this, God was reminding me of places right now where I'm wavering in my trust in him. And it's like, whoa. God, if I'm going to preach this, I have to trust you. But it's a constant battle because I, I say yes to him here and then there's another thing that comes at me. Am I going to trust him? It's a constant thing. If God's showing you something right now, don't walk out of here and leave it behind. Trust him with it, okay? Confess it to him. He's good. He's provided a sacrifice. Lord, thank you.